This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 215. It is a Wednesday night, April 12th, 2023. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated. For more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, Give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Well, by from Trevor Hewlin, all accounted for. We'll have Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show on a little bit later to preview the big series this weekend, Vandy and South Carolina. Top 10 matchup, arguably two of the best, uh, the two best teams in the SEC right now, according to Saturday Down South Power Rankings. So we'll preview that. We'll talk about our appearance at the spring game. A bunch of goons in the stands. I don't know if any of you guys saw us, but we were there. Uh, Stackhouse rumors. A lot of NBA buzz. As as always, the basketball program continues to boggle the mind. So we will dive into that. Maz, Mazurai? Is that it, Will? Is it is it as, Adam, Adam Mazurai? Adam Mazurai. I was just going Mazzari? to call him Adam. Just okay. to not, yeah, I think it's Missouri sounds better. Missouri Maz, sounds better. Yeah, so he is headed to Cal. So All-time all great the- photo of, of him on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> Goodbye, my sweet prince. So, Maz, Missouri, Adam Missouri is headed to Cal, and we'll talk about that. And of course, we'll preview South Carolina. But, boys, spring game is is over and done with. I uh, can't really. I don't know that we can take anything out of it other than Cedric Alexander. Well, uh, the kid looks pretty good. Cedric Alexander looks good. Uh, Taylor looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback this fall. Uh, obviously, <laughs> if you take away just the spring game performance. Uh, but yeah, uh, we were a bunch of goons up in the stadium. Shout out just overall to the Vanderbilt Athletics Department uh, for at least putting on what appeared to be just a good spring game environment in a situation that I'm sure is not ideal with your stadium literally sitting about, you know, 20% rubble right now at I'm this point. So, over. <laughs> yeah, so they did a good job of setting up in some not great circumstances. They had a bunch of like uh fair rides set up like mini fair rides a bunch of food i got some hattie b's hot chicken uh i saw you on one of the rides well me and trevor pounded yeah you know i i opened (laughs) up and me and my dad were like we're just gonna wait in line and they're gonna be like where are your kids and we're like no kids it's just us but uh me and trevor were also pounding some brews up in the stands and uh taking beers and daddy dogs 
Yeah, the ultimate <laughs> tease of all of sports, which is college football spring games. Mm. Because anything done well by the offense, you can just say was a mistake or an issue on the defensive side. Anything done well on the defensive side, you can immediately just say the offense didn't play well. The play calling was <laughs> vanilla. So ultimately, you can spin the performances seen in whatever direction you want to, which is what makes it incredible for the dog days and talking season. But Trevor, I know you enjoyed yourself at the spring game. We were definitely yelling and you even got Coach Lee's attention at one I point. Did. Yelling at I him. Did. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And he pointed up at us. So that Billy, was were you not there for that? Billy. I left no, Billy and Ditch. Oh, Billy. <laughs> yep. That so, was just so, me and you yelling. <laughs> so coach, so coach Lee at halftime. Uh, or what's supposed to be halftime gives gets on the mic and he's at the 50 and he's giving like his little spiel like hey thanks about for all the fans that, yeah. coming up and he's and he's he's walking towards us and i just i just yell something came over me and i just go <laughs> and then we're just it's just screaming we're like ah! and then he just he gave us he gave us a little point he just pointed in our direction and gave us a fist bump and then whenever we got that little bit of acknowledgement, our little section just erupted. Just <laughs> he, he he cracked a little smile. It was awesome. Uh, I also oh, had Jordan electric. Matthews, Jordan Matthews, Vanderbilt football legend, if he has any eligibility left. Um, <laughs> breaking news, he does not. I told him that he could get a COVID year. Um, he said he would try, but don't hold your breath. Yeah, J Matt was seated directly like in the same section as us. I think Jay Woods Maybe was like there three as well. Feet away. Burks. Yeah, and Unintentional. there was also there was an, also another former Vanderbilt athlete. At the oh spring game. God! I know uh, we're still in the intro portion here, Billy, but I'm I know this was a yeah. We, we will reveal it, probably who as we much saw. as the action on the field, yeah. but there was an interesting uh, former <laughs> Vanderbilt player in it who is at another SEC school. Uh, we will not name. We'll we'll basically give the tease. It's either Mike Wright or Ray Davis. So you guys can guess or uh, who uh, it is. Or McAllister or Elijah McAllister. Or Elijah McAllister at Auburn. Yep. Forgot about him. So we'll we'll give that little tease and we'll we'll reveal that. Gabe uh, Judy Lolly at Tennessee. Oh my goodness, man. The, the within <laughs> conference transfers, Trevor knows them. The insider. He also got Robbie Weinstein, the real insider's attention. Uh, I did. Robbie, too. we're just chanting Robbie. We're like, Robbie. And he just turns around. He goes, <laughs> and he gives us one of these. Classic. Love it. I was asking him for thanks, a scoop, Robbie. and he, he didn't give me any. Hashtag thanks, Robbie. <laughs> so we got the spring game to talk about. We got Stackhouse rumors, NBA buzz. Will he go to the Pistons? Will he stay in Nashville? Still no one from the portal headed to Vanderbilt which is kind of mind-boggling, uh, as Will brought up last episode. And we'll talk South Carolina this weekend. Before we do, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door.report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, first piece of breaking news. I'm going to give it off to Trevor. And he already told us the news. He told Will and I the news. And Trevor, I don't even think you've told anybody the steps that it's taken to get to this point. So give the background to the Vandy faithful 
and let them know of the the latest uh, life news of of Trevor Hoolan. Yes. So so the only people who know uh, are currently are, uh, are are my mother and father, uh, my <laughs> my pastor and his wife, uh, my best <laughs> friend and uh, my two co-hosts Billy and Will. Um, but yeah, a, a couple months ago, um, I applied for graduate school at Vanderbilt University, just as a little shot in the wind, just as a little, uh, uh just a little tickle. Let's see what they do. Uh, <laughs> and about 30 minutes ago, uh, I'm happy to announce that I received a phone call, um, and that I have been admitted into Vanderbilt University to get my master's. So it is a dream come true. And I, uh, I'm very, very excited. I, I cried on the way home. <laughs> wow. No words, no words there, Will. Yeah, Trevor. Man, I, mean, I, my, I was clapping there. My immediate response was, "Congratulations, Trevor!" And now the one of the main criticisms of this podcast, which was me, Trevor, <laughs> and Billy had not attended Vanderbilt University. Well, that's a tough criticism to give now. So suck it, universe. Tre- <laughs> this Trevor, is to you- all the haters out there, the haters <laughs> and losers of which there are many are sad. It's Trevor, over. You- yeah, chop them. <laughs> You've got to make you've got to make it longer than a few weeks. We, we we've got we've got to get there. We've got to get you with uh, with that degree. I'm sure you will. We though, do. But. Yes, I got <laughs> I, I got to get in. I got to I'm accepted, but I've got to step foot in class first. But we're we're one step closer, baby. We have been accepted. We've got we talk about the other insiders out there. You know, Chris Lee, Robbie Weinstein. They do a great job. Uh, who else? Joey Dwyer. We could say we have an insider of our own now, Trevor Hulan, as a student, not just a student, a grad student. So he is there amongst the the student athletes. Uh, what what insight we're going to be able to get from from Trevor Hulan? Uh, breaking the news, he might be breaking news. You might you might I, see uh you might I might see befriend My- some of some of the athletes we cheer for. Who knows? <laughs> you might see Miles Keefe in uh, whatever class you're in, and and Miles yeah. might say, "Hey, yeah, I'm I'm getting the start tonight." Uh, in Tuscaloosa, you know, <laughs> so, in, in, every in, single in between classes, in between classes, instead of doing my schoolwork, I'm going to be like, I might stop over at Coach Lee's office at Macuke. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everybody knows, Trevor told me and Billy like 30 seconds before we started recording this, and <laughs> this so is the still more, raw. yeah, the more I've been thinking about this, like obviously, first response, it's perfect, to Trevor. Awesome. This is a step beyond awesome. This is like. The ways this can go and just Trevor being a Commodore, being a Vanderbilt student, that just brings joy to my to my heart. It just Who fits. thought, boys? Who would have thought? You're going to fit like a glove, Trev. You're, you're going to oh, love it. The stu- and there's probably students that know who you are. They may not know the face, but they've seen Hack Squad Jim Duggan on Twitter. So congrats, Trevor. We're happy for you. And go you, uh, go in Thank there, attack it. Attack, uh, win the day over there. First win day. a. I'll, I'll, uh, what's the Commodore Creed? I'll, uh, I'll win with humility and lose with grace. I think that's, that's it. That's all you need. That's, that's all you all need I right need. there. I'll read the Commodore Creed before every class. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Commodore Creed was read by Coach Lee and Bobby Johnson. Coach Lee played for Bobby Johnson, and Coach Lee's team had the spring game this past weekend. Guys, we won't spend too much time on it. Let's face it, there's not a whole lot that we learned, uh, but we did learn a little bit. And for me, Obviously, Cedric Alexander, talk about him, Will. Um, A.J. Swan was A.J. Swan. You know, nothing really, I guess, stood out from A.J. He continued to to play well. For me, though, it's how 
how much better, and I didn't think the defense could get much better or be much better, but, but obviously there's room for improvement, but they look legit. Like there's speed, there, there's more depth, they're big. Uh, it looks like the freshman guys in the secondary have gotten bigger and they've gotten they're they're more i guess adept at at their their craft and they it just looks like the defense looks smooth and i know it's a spring game and you can't take a whole lot out of it but man will it just it feels to me like the young guys have done a good job of of taking what coach lee has said and be ready to play because i mean they're going to have to be ready to play we i was looking at trudel berry uh gaskins um, you know, other guys like a John House, uh, Langston Patterson, those younger guys, they look ready. Last year, they didn't. You know, they didn't play much, Langston on special teams. But, well, I, I think we can say now that that secondary and that front seven is better. Not that they were awful last year, but they've gotten even better. And a lot of those younger guys, I think, will are ready to play. Yeah, I, I think the one thing you can definitively take away from the spring game, and maybe this is the gold-colored lenses on my glasses I was wearing but this team is better they are bigger faster and more athletic across the board just the median player on this roster standing on the sidelines looks bigger and stronger than two years ago and that just feels undeniable to me I mean Bapst regardless number 96 uh looks like an absolute physical specimen number 98 I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to butcher it from Germany uh as a sophomore is an absolute five now Yeah, number five, now an absolute physical specimen uh, on the sideline. They both immediately stick out. But yeah, you said A.J. Swan was A.J. Swan. Uh, The one thing on the offensive side that really stuck out to me was maybe one of the worst unsportsmanlike conduct calls in a spring game from an SEC referee that I have ever seen. The SEC referees were in full form. If you did not watch the spring game, I'll give you a quick recap of this unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Quincy Skinner Jr. in a spring game against his teammates on defense caught like an 80-yard touchdown up the sideline and at about the 10 or 15-yard line put up the Tyree kill deuces, the peace (laughs) sign, for like .2 seconds on the sideline. It was not a long extended crazy celebration backflip into the end zone. It was very casual. And the SEC referee crew, I'm assuming it was, threw a flag, called back the touchdown, and a 15-yard penalty, and the offense had to continue to play that possession. So that was one of the most disheartening (laughs) penalties I've ever seen. Because I get it, man. Maybe they are going to call that in the fall, and you want the players to be prepared for how potentially these horrendous referees are going to officiate the game. But come on, man. Like it was not that Come bad, on, and, it, and it's the equivalent. No. It's the equivalent of a practice, and you're yeah. really going to call that and and take away that highlight scoring play from him. So now no longer uh, can the marketing crew for Vanderbilt football post that as a true highlight play that was probably the best and biggest highlight play of the entire day. So that was <laughs> yeah. ruined by the referee crew during the spring game. So that was I one did of my see though. Main Ru- I, I did see though. Truman McDaniel posted the picture of. Uh, of Quincy doing the, the peace such sign. a good and, photo oh, <laughs> so good and I think Quincy might have put it on his Instagram or Twitter or one of those but I thought that was I'll, funny also too I'll, I'll say this I told Billy this at the spring game Truman if you listen to this I have DM'd you multiple times I I am willing to pay you for your work if you can like <laughs> print it for me like there are photos of yours that I will pay good money for 
to get prints of so I can hang up. So if you see this, I don't know how you see this, but don't see your DMs. But if you do see this, <laughs> I will pay you money for those photos. So just the a one, heads up. Ty- I, I want the, the Quincy Scanner shot. Deuce. The and I want Lawrence the tie. I want too, the tie. Yeah. I want the tie shot and I want the Quincy Deuce. That's what I want. So, Will, was that was that was that the end of your spiel there on the spring game? I I personally, don't I mean, I know we're on a time limit here, yeah, and I know that's you said that you, did, yeah. you didn't have a large takeaway. Gotcha. I could talk about the spring game for like two hours if you actually. <laughs> Darren Agu made a couple of good it. plays. Like this is this is my bread and butter. There were actually a lot of takeaways that I had from the spring game. Which oh, is we'll save them. Like, we'll save them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into them now because we do have a pretty big guest upcoming. Oh yeah, yeah, we've got a guest coming up, Chris Phillips. Um, we'll we will talk more about this spring game again. Not a ton to take away, but there are, there were takeaways, and we'll probably dedicate another pod down the road to a spring game and spring as a whole, and obviously we've got time. We, we've got plenty of time uh, before the season. Will? I just don't want you to forget about what we teased in the intro. Oh, about okay. What, about what forgot. former player so, was there. I wanted to leave time for that. I, I, oh, I, yes. I, I first saw him sitting with my brother, and you know we were kind of towards the right side of you know towards the middle. I know you guys were on the left side of the stands at the at the plex. Um, but I looked I looked down and I see Michael Owusu and Anthony, and you know they they dap up, they say what's up, and then to the right, peeking his head out, and I knew it was him right away. You can tell by the the head, the hair uh, that that was Ray Davis, and I, I couldn't believe it at first. I was like because. After it went down, you know, we had talked about that. Is there going to be bad blood? Is there not? You know, I was surprised to see him, but it was Ray Davis down there. And then I moved over to the left side with you guys, and he was still over there. So any rumors of the bad blood, I guess, directly with the team might have been uh, disputed there with, with Ray Davis in attendance. I, 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 was, I was surprised, but then again. I'm kind of curious, like, your emotions, Billy and Trevor, on it. But I was oh, more I've just like, I didn't, like, it's whatever to me. I don't, but it was so weird. Like, that's the best weird, yeah. only reaction that I had to it was like, what in the hell is Ray Davis doing here? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just odd. Not that Vanderbilt football shouldn't have him there or that he doesn't have relationships with any of the players. But I thought that was just something that was like mutually understood that if you were playing for one team and transfer to another team within the same conference, that you're no longer like, going to attend their practices mm-hmm. and games, even if you are yeah. finishing out whatever's going on uh, or if you happen to be in Nashville. Like, that's just so weird to me. Like, that would raise heads if it was, like, a high school player coming <laughs> yeah. to a random a random spring game or spring practice. Like, people in the community would be like, what the hell is he doing? He just transferred to the to our rival across, across the county. So it, it was just weird. And Trevor, it- I know you had some raw emotions. It, I, yes, I had some raw emotions. Uh, I, I didn't originally see him, but, um, uh, Braden, Braden McPherson came over and he was like, Hey, he's like over by Michael Owusu is Ray Davis. And I was like, what? And I, I just like Bill, I look over cause he was to my left. I look over to my left and I'm like, I'm like, how is he here? Like at first I was like, how is he even allowed to be here? Like, I don't. Like, but then I was like, okay, it is a spring game. It is uh, televised on SEC Network. This isn't like a practice to where they're like mm-hmm. filming plays. Um, but I also was like, is Kentucky on like spring break? Like, how is that's he... what I was confused like, about? Like, yeah. we're in the middle of like spring. Spring ball is a very, very like 
important formative process in like the college football season. And it's a Saturday in the spring. Like, do you like, do y'all not have practice? Like, I don't like how are like, how are you here? Like, I don't that's, like, I didn't. That's what confused also, me. Also like why, like, yeah. And, and the whole bad blood thing. I don't know. CJ Taylor's tweets to him make it seem like there might be some bad blood because they've definitely circled the Kentucky game. So I think naturally I there will be, right? Like I, I like think naturally too, because just like even if but like it's they're not still like buddies, a, it's it's not like I, I will never alphas. see yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's just the nature of the game to where you have a bunch of alphas out there. And so like naturally that's gonna heighten the rivalry a little yeah. bit. But my thing is just like like how like do you not have practice? Like, I don't like, why are you here? Like, I don't get it. Maybe they were on spring break, what, whatever it is. But, but do you not you... practice spring ball during spring break? No. Or am I making that up? Not okay, on a Saturday too. Up. Being a Saturday. I think that. No, that's usually they don't have that week off. Yeah. No, so you, Ray you Davis. Nail on the head. I mean, it, <laughs> that's the, that's the part Trevor is, is like, I don't care what's said publicly or what's acceptable to say. Or what guys have said, this discussion of if there is. Like, yes, there is. Like, it is driving me crazy. If a guy transfers away from your team and I am still on that team, it's not that I hate that person, but I'm going to be like, dude, like, you just kind of screwed me over. You were supposed (laughs) to have my back no matter what. You were supposed to be my teammate. And there was a little bit better of an offer maybe, and you just were out the door. So all that was bullshit. Like that's your natural thought process. Yeah. When your teammate leaves to go play for a conference rival. You saw when we played Alabama this year with Tyler Steen. And he seems like, like, I'm sure whenever we play Auburn, like Elijah McAllister, like I have no ill will towards him. Like he seems like a great guy. He he was a captain. They obviously loved him, but that's just the nature of the game that like when Vanderbilt plays Auburn this year, like, they are it's going to be chippy like they are going to jaw with one another like yeah, it's, you it's want, just how the sport goes you need bad blood you want yeah. there to be bad blood right yeah. so that when vanny plays kentucky that's going to be fun also shout out to brian carlson uh he immediately when he saw ray davis he said why is ray davis here on twitter he posted on twitter i thought that was hilarious <laughs> uh, but uh that's yeah. that's the tdr pride okay real quick here we've got a few minutes i know we'd like to spend a little bit more time on this but jerry stackhouse he is being rumored to have interest in the Detroit Pistons job. Uh, not not a surprise. Now, is he begging and pleading Detroit to go up there and coach? I don't know. Does he have some interest? Yeah, I mean, naturally, right? I mean, you would expect that. But the bigger news, I think, now, guys, is number one, still no transfer players into the program. Number two, the top assistant coach, Adam Mazzari, is headed to Cal. I would assume a pay raise. Uh, Vandy's staff is paid very well, by the way, I've heard. So that's mm-hmm. that's impressive, actually. Um, but Adam Mazzari, that's – I don't know if I'm going to say the dominoes are starting to fall, but that's what it feels like, right? Like six players enter the portal. That's a domino. No players have entered. That's – I mean, you, that's a domino. No, that That's insane, mm-hmm. right? And then number three, Mazzari, the top assistant that has helped a lot, has won games – right, with his scouting reports, is gone. So, real quick, guys, Will, why do you think Missouri left? I mean, was that a pay raise? And what impact does it have? Does that play into your, oh, that means Stack might really have interest or not at all? I'll try to do this as quickly as possible. This further confuses me 
because Missouri clearly key assistant to Jerry Stackhouse been with him all four years when he's been at Vanderbilt. And now he's basically taking what feels to me like a neutral move. Even if there is a slight pay raise, I mean, maybe you go into coaching for the money, but my idea is you go for career progression and you want to coach at a, at a higher level and taking an assistant coach position at a different program. Also kind of, you know, middle of the pack in their conference in Cal that's an odd move to me. Uh, but still, you hit on it, Billy. Focusing on the coaching move, whatever, that's just a tiny little symptom. Focusing on the transfer portal. Had six guys out, zero guys in. Another SEC program. I don't remember who I was talking to that pointed it out, but Florida had five guys, I believe, yes, into the yeah. transfer portal. They've had four transfer in. So the alarm bells are not ringing there the same way. So it's not necessarily the number of guys that, have entered the portal alone uh, or the assistant coach movement by itself, but a combo of those two things, like you said, Billy, and zero guys coming into the program. And then an assistant coach that clearly likes coaching with Jerry Stackhouse is gone. You would think that if Jerry Stackhouse thought he would potentially be the head coach of the NBA's Detroit Pistons, that Missouri would stick around and Stack would take him with him if he was to take the NBA head coaching job, because uh, Missouri has experience, I believe he coached six years in the Memphis Grizzlies organization yes, yeah. uh, with Stackhouse as well. Mm -hmm. So it that makes less and less sense to me as you continue to drill down into it, because the initial take is just like, oh, Stack's, you know, going to be gone or leaving. But when you really dig into it, Stack, he would probably have gone with Stack wherever he would that, go with yeah. that relationship was yeah. still good. And, and Stack really was expecting to get that job. So that's as quick and succinct as that take is I have no idea yeah. what the hell is going on. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with Will's take. I, that's, I mean, that's my take. Absolutely. The only thing I kind of have to contribute um, is sort of a, a little what if for you guys and the listeners. Um, I, and I don't have the answer to this. I would actually really love to know what you guys are like people on the internet or the listeners have to think about this. It, it it very much seems like Jerry wants to go to Detroit. If Jerry gets offered the job, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. It just, I mean, it is what it is. If, if he does take the job, timing right now is awful to where it's so awful. late. Like it's the brutal. coaching search is so bad, but but here's really what I want to focus on. If he doesn't get the job, but he's and so he's still coaching at Vanderbilt, how does the future play out with you now have a coach who you know is using you as a stepping stone? Um, so how does that look like to the brass? How does that look like to the current players? How does it look like to the recruits? And like if you're if you're Jerry or the coaching staff, like, how do you go into a kid's living room and tell his mom that you want him to come to Vanderbilt when, like, as long as he has a Twitter, like, he knows you want to go coach to the NBA? So I just, even if he stays, I don't want to say it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't, but that's kind of what it feels like. And yep. I would love to hear other people's takes on it because that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah, I'm in the same spot, right? Like, I, my mind is still blown by by this program. Right. Like the, the roller coaster continues. I mean, six players in the portal. Nobody has come in. Will, you just mentioned Florida. They've they had five. They've already brought four guys in. Right. So I don't even think we're talking about that enough. Right. I, I mean, we brought I posted that clip of you talking about it, Will. Right. And but it just feels like it, there's not enough attention on that. Oh, also, your top assistant is, is gone. 
right? Your coach is being rumored for the Pistons job. It just feels like everything is connected and I'm trying not to go there, but it's hard not to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's very to... easy to have the dumb take of, oh, six guys entered the transfer portal. Well, everyone has a bunch of guys entering the transfer portal. That's modern college basketball. I don't have any problem with that. I think we've tried to make that clear. It's like the guys they've lost to the portal is not where we view the issue. The issue is the not bringing them in. That part is not normal. Other teams it's do been, not what, have zero. A week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, other since more, the last. Yeah, yeah, other guys do not have zero guys committed in as transfers. They just don't. So especially ones that have lost the number that Vanderbilt has, which I'm not sure if there is another SEC school that has more. I think Florida, they were tied with the most transfers. Yeah, out they had the most. UMB yeah. entered his name. So Vanderbilt not only has the most, they have at best case tied for the least transfers in in the conference. So that's not normal. No. Not normal. It's not. Uh, you, you need players. Uh, that's a big key to having success at the college level. Need some players. Also, meanwhile, Chris Mack has been seen on Twitter with Vanderbilt shirts and sweatshirts. So I think that's interesting. His daughter's um, already going to Vanderbilt. Like, I, again, I don't think anything like if Stack, like you said, if he goes to Detroit, I don't think Chris Mack would be the guy. But we got to start thinking about that. I mean, that just feels like the direction this train is rolling. A coaching change. I could be totally wrong. Right, a I mean, late one before, too. a very yes. late one, and that's why I, I'm I'm torn because I, I I my gut tells me no he he's not going anywhere, but my my brain like my brain and my like visual senses say look at him I mean of course he's going you know so I look conundrum uh, this is the only part I know the gambling odds had him as the third most likely guy to go to the Detroit Pistons he played on the Pistons during his NBA career probably had his best years on the Detroit Pistons so I get all that. However, Jerry Stackhouse's personality does not scream to me a personality of an NBA coach, regardless of all the articles that I've read about his, you know, X's and O's ability. And really, at the end of the day, maybe his coaching style of like his skill set is geared more towards the NBA, but his personality is not the idea of like a benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> uh, that quote from midseason of, of Vanderbilt basketball. I don't think that, that would fly with that uh, will veterans. not fly. No, that will no. not fly in the NBA. The NBA, probably the head coach of an NBA team, is the least impactful head coach of any professional. They would laugh team. at him if he said that. And, and so I think you're you're more there. And this is probably best for Stack's skill set. But like what you're doing is situationally drawing up plays out of timeouts, making strategic decisions like that. But I don't know if Stack's personality to me comes off as a guy that's willing to like take his hands off of everything and just basically let the let the you know inmates run the prison, which is kind <laughs> of like what the NBA and that's what it is. Professional athletics is more geared towards is it's more of a player league versus college is a team league and a coach and and a coach league so it's just going to be a personality clash and we'll see how this plays out we shall see again we will spend more time on stack the spring game spring football but we've got baseball to talk about Vanderbilt and South Carolina coming up this weekend top 10 matchup at Hawkins Field Friday Saturday Sunday we will talk all about it with Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show coming up next here on the door report Chris Phillips, founder of the Spurs Up show, does a great job. Best Gamecocks coverage on the internet. If you're a Gamecock fan, you've got a podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The Daily Crow, a daily show live from 
uh, 12 to 2, Monday through Friday, and Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. So Chris Phillips uh, does it all for uh, Gamecock Nation. And uh, Chris is joining us now ahead of this weekend series, Vanderbilt and South Carolina, top 10 matchup. Chris, Saturday down south, put up their latest power rankings. Vanderbilt number one, and the Gamecocks number two. This should be a fun weekend, my man. Well, boys, first things first, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, appreciate the kind words. It's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. And, uh, you know, I tell people, believe it or not, there are Vanderbilt fans that are just as passionate as we are about the Gamecocks. And <laughs> the door report is living proof of that. So I want everybody <laughs> to know and pay respect and put some respect on the star V out there, right? So, Boom. no, I appreciate you, man. It's, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure, like I said, to chat with you, and especially, man, talking Gamecocks and doors on the diamond especially when South Carolina and Vandy are having the type of season they are, man. It just feels right, man. It feels like this is what this series is supposed to be about, four versus six. And like you mentioned, the Saturday down south rankings, and, you know, it really speaks for itself what these ball clubs have done at this point for sure. So excited for it, man. It'll be a fun one in Nashville. And, uh, you know, again, looking forward to a great week in SEC baseball yet again. Chris, I don't know if you're as surprised as I am. I know Trevor is a big baseball guy as well. Will is as well. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm stunned to see how good – this Gamecock team is and how Mark Kingston has really turned it around. I mean, he gathered the troops and said, you know, there, I mean, there were people coming out for his job last year. I mean, I, I, I see your coverage. Y'all weren't happy with him, Deservedly. So, I mean, South Carolina is a national brand. They should be a top 10 team every year. So number one, how surprised are you that he's been able to turn things around this quick? Because last year they weren't, I guess, awful, but they, they weren't at the standard of, of Gamecock baseball. So, how has he turned things around and sort of saved his job? Well, Billy, first things first, since we're talking about surprises in the SEC East, I'm sure all of you guys are are just heartbroken to see the uh, the the uh, poor start of the Tennessee Volunteers because I think everybody had them as their SEC darling and picking them to go toe to toe with LSU. So I'm sure you guys are heartbroken to see that. <laughs> yeah, it, it really but, uh, it's a bummer seeing that. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel for them sure, up there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. We we all do. But uh, no, man. Speaking with the Gamecocks, it's you know, listen. I, I expected this ball to come back to last year, like you mentioned. Last year was a nightmarish type of season, right? It just felt like everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. All of the injuries that hit the pitching staff, really the entire ball club, you couldn't hit to save your life. And it just felt like that was sort of the 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 the, the mantra of the Kingston era, right? Just not able to hit consistently enough to win in the SEC. Um, you know, coming into this year, I had them at 34 and 22 and 15 and 15 in the league. To give you some perspective, the Gamecocks will enter this weekend with 29 wins. So Long story short, I, I didn't see this coming. I think anybody, even the most optimistic Gamecock fan, if you said you saw this coming, you're lying, right? I, just in regards to one of the best starts in school history, the way you started SEC play, you know, crushing everybody in the non-conference. I, I really felt like because of the guys they picked up through the transfer portal and guys being a year older, right, those guys that were thrust in the lineup as freshmen that were now sophomores this year, guys that returned from injury on the pitching staff. I thought this team would be better, and I felt like they had the pieces and the talent to win, and if they didn't, it would come down to coaching. Now, you were right. We were very tough on Kingston a year ago, and deservedly so, right? I don't yeah. think anybody apologizes for that because of that season. I mean, you go below 500, right? You made history in the worst kind of ways. Um, but do give Mark Kingston credit, right? He went out. He got Monty Lee, which I think that really went under the radar just in regards of the ego – depth that it takes to put the ego to the side 
and bring in a guy that's also been a head coach and he's been a coach at the university that you're the head coach at, right? He was with the Gamecocks and the Ray Tanner. And to bring in a different voice and a different mindset and sort of let him take over the hitting side of things, acknowledging that's your weakness, right? And handing that over to someone else. Also, you got to give Kingston credit for going out to the portal and actually getting the guys like the Will McGillises, like the Caleb Denny's, like the Gavin Cassises, who I know we're going to talk about that you yep. all are so familiar with. He went out and he got those guys. And then you had guys like Noah Hall, like Braylon Wimmer, like James Hicks that all turned down money to go to the MLB draft and came back because they said they felt like they had unfinished business. And you just don't have guys like that returning to your program if the culture isn't pretty damn good, right? Th those guys are going to get out if uh, things are not good internally. So you do have to give Mark Kingston a lot of credit. I was one, Billy, I'll just say this. I want to win more than I want a new head coach, right? It was never <laughs> the sense of anybody, anybody had any. I can only speak for myself. I never had any personal vendetta against Mark Kingston or he, he personally did something to me. I just want to see what we all want to see the South kind of baseball be what it's supposed to be, which you're not going to be this good every year, but be in the postseason, be hosting regional, similar to what Vandy fans have expectations and Florida fans and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? All of us that have great baseball tradition and history. So again, though, long story short, I mean, nobody saw this coming, man, this type of start to see South going to rank sixth right now and, you know, I said this uh, about a week ago to the date when South Carolina blasted LSU in game one. I just felt like I told myself, mm. I was like, dude, this I, this is a dream. Like, I'm scared I'm going to wake up because this does not feel real, like the way <laughs> this season is going. Like, like, I'll tell you this, by the way, and I hate to phrase it this way, not to give you guys some extra juice ahead of the weekend, but this Gamecocks team, like watching them in the regular season, they feel like the Tennessee of last year, like to a degree. They, maybe they're not as hateable. Which All right, good to talk to you, them. Chris. This is over. Yeah, <laughs> get get him off the pod. <laughs> we're, we're not as we're not. Listen, we're not we're not as hateable as they are because I mean anybody who has Tony Vitello as their head coach is going to be like the most hated team in college baseball. But uh, just like the way this team is winning and they're finding ways to win, and they're sort of that darling that come out of nowhere surprise team, if you will. Like it, it's it is similar to that. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I hope there are a lot of differences. I obviously hope there's a lot of differences, especially with the way their season ended. But, uh, no, it's, it's been an incredible ride, man, and it's excited to see if South Carolina can keep this going and, um, you know, maybe push to win the SEC East, which would be an absolutely incredible feat. Yeah, I mean, well, leading, leading the country in home runs, 76 home runs. I mean, maybe right. they're, they're pretty similar to Tennessee juice in the back. I'll say this. I'll say, no, I'll, say, I'll say this. Here's a better comparison. Let's, let's not compare them to the evil Tennessee team from a year ago, but this, this really feels like the old-school Ray Tanner basher team. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's really what it feels like, man, where they had Smoke, Disher, Darnell Havens, the Murderer's Row teams, if you will. Uh, what's funny is it doesn't feel like the 10, 11, 12 teams under Tanner that were all about, you know, they had some power, but a lot of small ball and hit and run and, again, find ways to win. But, I mean, this team just – they're big, they're bashers, they're, they're powerful, they hit home runs. Granted, it's not just feast or famine like teams we've seen in the past, but dude, it's just a lot of fun to watch, man. You got a bunch of big, strong hitters that are disciplined and uh, they make it work. And again, those guys you brought in from the portal, man, they're just absolutely crushing. So it, it's it's been a lot of fun. And the pitching depth is incredible, right? We talked about that too off air. That I mean, the pitching depth, we knew that was the strength of the ball club. And if that the hitting was there, this team had a chance to be really special. And sure enough, here we are. 
You mentioned Monty Lee from Clemson. Of course, he was let go. They brought in Eric Backich, a guy who was formerly on the Vanderbilt staff. So there's already some familiarity there between Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and their staff. But a, another guy they brought in, Gavin Casas. You just brought him up. He's yeah. raked this season. Uh, 15 home runs, right? Tied with yeah. Petri right now. Again, that's something I can't say I expected to see out of him. Because last year, he was banged up, I think, towards the, the end of the season. Didn't get... I think the playing time he wanted early on, and then he got hurt at Vanderbilt. So I think there's sort of a misconception with, uh, oh, he he could be our first baseman right now. But Parker Nolan's also mashing pretty well right now at first for Vanderbilt. So it worked out for Casas. Uh, how big of a help has he been? And and again, did you see this coming? Because I can't say I did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Casas has been a little bit cold of late, but as a whole, right, the body of work, I mean, he, he's been a huge addition to this lineup, right, right in the middle there. And uh, you know, they rolled the dice, I guess you could say. They took a risk, if you will, but uh, they needed to add a big power lefty bat. And I don't know if you're a Ben Billy, the Founders Park, any of you guys have, but, I mean, that is a left-handed hitter's paradise because yeah. it's, a short, it's a short porch already, and the river is out past left field, so the, the wind comes off that river, and it normally blows out to right field. So, I mean, a guy like Cassis, I mean, it, it is literally just peppering the ball over the right field fence, and you know, again, it's one of those things where I, I thought he would have a good season. I thought he'd be a double-digit home run guy. I didn't know he'd be quite this good, right? And, again, I know he's been a little bit cold of late, but the good news this lineup is, is, it, is it is so deep and so many guys are having success that if one goes into a lull, you've got others to pick them up, right? Ethan Petrie is the man that nobody can get out right now. I mean, saying he's the best freshman in college baseball is, is, is just the most no-brainer statement in the world at least right now it feels like. so. But I will say this, that's a fascinating storyline going to the weekend because, you know, it doesn't sound like, like you mentioned, I think it worked out well for all parties. Parker Nolan is an absolute stud with the Commodores mm -hmm. and Cassis gets to up and leave and find a new home, if you will. So I don't think there's necessarily like bad blood, if you will, but you, you got to think there's a bit of a, some extra juice in the chip oh, yeah. on the shoulder. I mean, any, mm -hmm. anytime you go back to the, to the, yeah. to the old school and, you know, you, you kind of want to prove like, you know, Maybe you make up the storyline in your head, like, you guys slept on me, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to show you, but that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I'm sure it'll be cool for him, right, because I'm sure all his buddies are on that Vandy team, and I'm sure he's got a great relationship with Tim Corbin and that entire entire coaching staff, if you will. So, he's been a great addition to the lineup, man. I mean, just your typical big basher power hitter. Kind of reminds you, I was talking about those old lineups, kind of reminds you like a Justin Smoke, right, just a big physical lefty that, uh, you know, can put it out on any given's notice. I think he's a little bit more of the, dare I say, feast or famine type of approach. I think it was mm -hmm. at one point, guys, his first, like, ten hits of the season, I think, like, eight of them were home runs. <laughs> I think he was just – It was ridiculous. He, it was a crazy yeah. start. Every time he made contact, the ball was gone, right? So, um, you know, he, he's your typical, like, big power first baseman, DH, what have you, however they want to use him. But he's certainly been a big addition. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great um, – it's a great thing to have in that lineup, right? It's a weapon to have a guy like that that can really change the complexion, uh, complexion of the game with uh, with one swing of the bat. We're getting y'all set for South Carolina Vandy this weekend at the Hawkins Field in Nashville. We're talking with Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show. Trevor, what you got for him? Chris, once again, thank you for joining, brother. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your offense a little bit. I don't want to focus too much on the pitching, but uh, if – like you said with Ethan Petrie, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it's a no-brainer that he's the best freshman in the country. Just to rattle off his stats, he's slashing 449 
at batting average, OBP of 507, slugging nine or 898, has an OPS of 1.405. I mean, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That is, I mean, that's Sorry. ridiculous. Um, looking on the offensive side of the, uh, of, the uh, of the South Carolina team, taking out Petri, who has to show up this weekend for South Carolina? Is it going to be a Talmadge? Is it going to be a Cassis? Who has to show up? Because I mean, I think you could name off a ton of guys just looking through these, just looking through these stats. I mean, Petrie's batting four ninety nine, Lacroix three fifteen, Wimmer three thirteen. I mean, Gavin Costas, like you said, a little bit of a cold streak, but still in the low three hundreds at two eighty four. So taking out Petrie because. As good as his Vanderbilt pitching staff is, I think he's going to get his just whenever you're a hitter like that and you're sort of in the zone. Just kind of is what it is. got to have to limit him. Uh, but other than him, who do you think has to have a great weekend for the South Carolina team? Yeah, I'll go with two guys. You know, you mentioned Braylon Wimmer. I feel like he's a bit of a glue guy for this team, a, a veteran presence. If you, you know, a lot of these guys, um, a good number of them actually ha- have not been to Hawkins. I, I know it's not the most – intimidating atmosphere in the world. But when you're taking on a Vandy at their place, it's a tough weekend. I mean, it, it just is flat out. So uh, Vandy they, themselves, they make it tough, no matter how many's in the crowd. Hey, a lot of them haven't experienced the Vanderbilt Whistler yet either, right? So that'll be a, that, that'll be a challenge. <laughs> the infamous. A challenge. Right, right. The infamous Vandy Whistler. But uh, Raylan Wimmer, one of those veteran guys, man, that, again, I, I say is a glue guy in that leadoff spot. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a spark plug with this offense, and the offense sort of goes as he goes. When he's swinging it well, it seems like they all swing it well, right? So I think Braylon Wimmer is one. And then Cole Messina, the Gamecocks catcher, who normally bats in like the five hole or so. I kind of look at him as like the heart and soul of this ball club, right? An emotional mm-hmm. leader, a leader in the clubhouse. And again, he's one of those guys that, that Mark Kingston talked about in the preseason. They expected to make a major jump from that freshman to sophomore campaign. And I think he has beautifully. You know, I, I think there's still some things left to be desired in regards to defensively, specifically throwing out base runners. Because if you look at the numbers, the Gamecocks have not done a great job in doing that. But he's been really good offensively. Uh, again, another big power bat, but just a great teammate, a teammate guy, right? You know, he's going to get his hacks off. But, you know, when he gets down in the count 0-2 or, or gets into a pitcher's count, you know, he's going to fight and try to find any way to get on base. And the big, the big bat that stood out to me earlier this season, I know it's a small thing to a lot of people, but – he gets hit by a pitch, and he gets just as fired up like he just hit a home run. You know, South Carolina's either trying to mount a rally or they're tied or something. I can't exactly remember. But uh, he, he just really, to me, serves as the heart and soul of this team. Had a big home run against Mississippi State late in game one of that one to help lead them to victory. So he's coming up with some big knocks this year. So if you're not going with the obvious guys, the again, the Cassises, the Ethan Petries, I think Wimmer and Messina are two guys that normally they look to, to you know, when they're clicking, the offense clicks. and. You know, especially when we're there in that leadoff spot at the top, right? Your leadoff guy gets going. It just makes it really, really tough on a pitching staff, especially when you have a guy like Wimmer that's got the the athleticism and the speed that he has, right? I mean, you guys don't know all about that with, uh, what is it, Enrique Bradley getting on yep. the base pass and just, just, just making life hell for pitchers. So anytime you can get that guy on consistently, you feel like you've got the upper hand. So, again, I'll, I'll say Wimmer and Messina, I think, are two guys that I think if they have good weekends, I think South is going to be in a really good position. I will say too uh, another question for you, um, because obviously you're the you're the Gamecock expert. I haven't watched a ton of South Carolina games. I did watch the Friday game against LSU, um, 
And I feel like Ethan Petrie's highlights are on everybody's Twitter feed. I mean, anytime the guy (laughs) hits a home run, I mean, it's posted everywhere. Deservedly so. Could you, what is, what is South Carolina's offensive strategy at the plate? Cause I'm just sort of looking through their stats. Um, Typically now, now with baseball, whenever you have, even whenever you look in the major leagues, guys who hit home runs are cool with striking out. It's all about getting the ball in the air, all about getting the ball in play, popping the ball up, no line drives. But whenever I look at this South Carolina team, I mean, like I think I leading the leading the nation in home runs, but it tell me a little bit more about how they are at the plate. Cause it looks like, I mean, Ethan Petrie strikes out only 18% of the time. You talked about Cole Messina strikes out only 17.1% of the time. Yeah. I mean, these are these are guys that are, are getting it done at the plate, but are also getting on the bases, aren't striking out, aren't having poor at-bats. Is this sort of an aggressive swing early team, or they take pitchers deep into the count, or is it a mix of both? Yeah. I think it's a bit of a mix of both, but I tell you what, the first thing I thought of when you said that was I, I just think of the word patience. The, the difference in this year's lineup versus years past, because it feels like under Kingston, they've always been able to hit home runs. You know, I'll take you back to, to 2021, right, when you had Brady Allen and Wes Clark and and those guys were lots of homers. You know, Wes Clark was was kind of like the Ethan Petrie. He wasn't a freshman, but a guy that had like 20 home runs, it seemed like, when we got to SEC play. And, yeah, he pulled off. But that team hit a lot of bombs, right? But the big thing, thing with them is when they weren't hitting home runs, again, it was truly just like that feast or famine type of mentality. And, you didn't hit the long ball. That was the only way they had to score. That was the only bullet they had in the chamber. You know, this year I feel like what Monty Lee has brought, because there has obviously been a major shift mm-hmm. and a major difference in the approach, right? You can talk about all the new players they brought in and guys getting a year older, but the entire philosophy to me, you look at it, it's just completely different. Again, I, I think it's patience. I think it's patience. Granted, they pick and choose their spots when they want to be aggressive. I don't think South Carolina, I mean, heck, you look at the, the Mississippi State series in two games in a row – Braylon Wimmer on the first pitch of the game goes guard. So, um, you know, it, it just to me, the, the, the best way I could I could summarize what the approach is, I think it's guys that are going up there with a plan, right? If they're going up there with a plan, they look comfortable. It looks like a group of veteran hitters that sort of know what's going on. They're, they're not really surprised by a whole lot, right? Of course, power is a staple of this lineup. And I think Mark Kingston has said before, and he embraces power as a staple of Gamecocks baseball, right? Talking about, speaking on the Ray Tanner teams, and when the Gamecocks have been at their best, they've hit a lot of home runs, right? They just had big, strong, powerful hitters that can hit home runs. But the problem in the past has been, again, you've been sort of a one-trick pony, and that was the only thing you had in your arsenal. This year, this team, they're taking hit by pitches, man. They're taking walks. They're not swinging at bad pitches. They're not swinging themselves in the bad counts. And I think that's why you're seeing so many home runs, because where South kind of maybe last year, two years ago, what have you, would have been 1-1 or 0-2, all of a sudden they're 2-0. And you guys know the difference between a 1-1 and a 2-0 count, man. It just makes all of the difference in the world when you know a pitcher's got to come in your wheelhouse and they got a bunch of guys that just are not missing mistakes. They, they just don't miss mistakes, right? And then you got a guy like Ethan Petra, you know, one of his home runs against LSU wasn't that bad of a pitch, man. It was like a low and end breaking ball, and he just golfs it out in the left field, right? So, you know, you combine a bunch of patient hitters that are relaxed, they have a plan. They're big, strong guys, and they've got a ton of talent, and I think you're putting yourself in a lot of really good positions, right? Um, you know, they're like any other lineup. They strike out a lot, but like you mentioned, I don't even think that's a South Carolina baseball thing. I think that's, that's everywhere. Sort of ingrained. Yeah. It, yeah. It's ingrained in the culture of baseball now, right? Like, Yeah, it's a baseball thing. Right. You sacrifice the strikeout numbers for the home runs, and at this point, 
if your team is striking out double or excuse me, single digits on average, like you're really good. You know what I mean? Like no longer are the days where, you know, you have one or two strikeouts in a game and you're just consistently putting the ball in play. Like strikeouts are going to happen, but you sort of live with that for the power numbers that you see. But again, I think what this team's doing so differently that's benefiting them, it's much more patience at the plate, getting themselves in good counts. They're excited and more than willing to take the hit by pitches. They're more than willing to take the walk. And so you're seeing a lot of traffic on the base pass. So maybe in the past, too, where there were, those were solo homers, you're seeing them be two-run and three-run homers. And again, guys, as you all know, those things, they add up really, really quickly. Yeah, I had my one question that I really wanted to ask, and Trevor kind of stole it right there. But I was going to lead into the stats of uh, – you know, the Gamecocks lead the nation with 76 home runs there, but they're 62nd in the nation. And it's kind of grasping at straws at this point, but 62nd in the nation in batting average, but they're third in the nation, I believe, in walks, fourth in the nation, and hit by pitches, fifth in the nation and on base percentage. And so I'll kind of shift my question a little bit since we kind of just ran through all those stats. But does the lower batting average at all give you a little bit of a concern or is that just kind of the nature of the beast, you know? Uh, walk, strikeout, or home run seeming to be the uh, major theme of baseball at this point? Well, I mean, listen, I think when you're facing the type of arms you see on a weekend-in, weekend-out basis in the SEC, I, you know, I, I think South Carolina, you know, it's funny, I was about to say they still have a lot to prove, which every weekend in the SEC you have a lot to prove. But, I mean, we just saw South Carolina go up against Paul Skeens and tattoo him. I mean, 100 miles an hour, they did not give a damn. They weren't intimidated. They were not phased, right? So who knows? You know, maybe as the competition gets better, they'll get better and they'll rise to the occasion, right? I think that's been sort of the knock on Vanderbilt as well. Like, well, who have you played? Have you played the, yeah. the best of the best in the SEC? And so this is a big weekend for you guys as well because I know that gets just really annoying to hear because it's like we're 11-1. and one. Like, what more can we do? Like, South Carolina, we're 9-2. and two. Like, we play who we play and we beat them. You know what I mean? So, um you know, but batting the batting average thing, is it a concern? You know, it's not something that's keeping me up on a nightly basis. But, you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I said that it isn't something that as we get more in a postseason play. And it'll just be all about almost a shift in perspective where in the sense of, like, you don't want to abandon power, but productivity becomes more valuable than power at that point, right? Like, when you're you're in Hoover, you're in a regional, you're in a super, you're in Omaha, it's all about trying to manufacture runs and scrap runs together, right? You get in a 2-0 count, you get ahead, whatever. You're a really good hitter. You want to get your hack off, fine. But you got to know when to be a teammate. You got to know when you can't strike out. You got to know when we need to move that guy from second to third. You got to know when to get that guy in from third, less than two outs. Like, you got to be great situationally, right? There's a reason, guys, that, you know, when I when I talk football, I'll give my keys to the game, and we'll do that on a every weekend basis. I don't They're the same every weekend. Pitch well, play great defense, and timely hitting. Timely hitting, not just hitting, timely hitting. So the batting average statistic, I mean, you don't want to be last in the conference, but, dude, I mean, like, I hate to bring them up again, but we'll just say that orange team. Look at them last year. Is it, it you know, the, it, all those power numbers and those high averages, that's all fine and dandy, but if you're not getting knocks when they mean the most, what does it matter? You're not going to get very far, right? That's something that Vanderbilt has been really good at over the years. It seems like when they need to play salt, when they – need to play small ball. They need to get a big knock. They do that better than anybody in college baseball damn near. So, you know, I, I, the, the average doesn't greatly concern me. Um, and I think this team has shown, like you mentioned, the hit by pitches, the walks. 
they've shown at times when they needed to have productive at bats, they've done so. Um, but I mean, I think that's where, you know, the area of emphasis will be for me is just in games like this against Vandy. And now you're going to play Florida. You're going to play that orange team. You're going to play the best of the best, right? The competition is just getting better and better and better. You still have that home run ball in your back pocket. You know you have that. You know, when you're going up against these pitchers, these best pitchers in the country, are you able to be productive against them? Because, yeah, sometimes, like, Vandy's Friday night guy, Florida's Friday night guy, if he's on, there ain't a whole lot you can do, man. Like, you, you just got to be able to try to scrap two, three runs. And, right, your guy's better than their guy. So, um, you know, it's, it's not something I'm overly concerned about, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Thanks again, Chris, for taking the time here with us. And I know Billy has yeah, a couple more before he closes us yeah. closes us out here. But I know we've mostly talked about South Carolina's offense. And I think I've said it on the podcast many times, but the the baseball programs in the country that go in with the expectation every year of being a contender, either the offense falls apart, the pitching <laughs> falls apart, or you win the national championship. There's no in between. So for South Carolina this year, we focused on offense. But if you had to place a bet, is South Carolina's offense going to be the problem in postseason play later on? Is the pitching going to be the issue? Or is this team bound for a national championship? Wow, it's crazy. And then to be question. talking about that, you know, it's, well, <laughs> I, it's just crazy because, again, I I, I picked this team in the preseason. And I, and I was – admittedly, I was a little bit guarded in the preseason, right? I, I, I didn't let myself get too, too high. It was one of those things where I, I was like, you got to show me first. Good thing. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I just realistic, man. Just realistic. I've had my we, heart we, broken we could, too many times. We could never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I've had my heart broken too many times. But uh, you know, after, after going twenty seven and twenty eight, Billy, you kind of learn to humble yourself a little bit. So, <laughs> um, no, I, I'll just say this. You know, I, I think this team. You know, the Noah Hall injury news. If it does come out that he's out for the season, that one really hurts you. But you know. I, it's it's not about is South Carolina good enough to get to Omaha. They are. They are. Is Vandy good enough to get to Omaha? They are. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the SEC. I could just run down the list and be like, are they good enough to get to Omaha? Yes. Will this team be playing its best baseball when it matters most? See, here's the funny thing. If South Carolina goes into a bit of a lull over the next two to three weekends, Gamecock fans are going to be freaking out, right? And just like the same thing if Vandy does it in the SEC fan base. But I wouldn't hate it. Call me crazy. Because the last thing you want is your team to be peaking, 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 and you get to the postseason, and you, that's when you get cold. Right? Tennessee I'm, balls. I'm beyond, I, yeah, exactly. I'm, I wasn't going to mention yeah. it by name. So no, I'm, yeah, uh, screw them. Yeah, 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 screw them. <laughs> I'm, I'm beyond the point of – because that was my question early on. You know, could this – you know, is this team an Omaha team? I don't know. I think they are. I, I mean, I think they've gotten the combination of – and see, now they've gotten the confidence, too. We've gotten far enough into the season. This team is extremely confident. Look at the LSU series last week, if you don't believe me. After the midweek win against North Carolina, uh, after the, North, the, the midweek win against North Carolina, sorry, I got my GPS and my ears screaming at me. But <laughs> Eli Jerzenbeck went on record and said, oh, no, no, we don't have to play LSU. LSU has to play South Carolina. Like, Ooh. we're looking forward to it. So, like, the mindset and the mentality shift has already happened. Like, this team is playing with an edge. They're playing with a belief. And they've got all the pieces. They've got all the tools. They've got immense pitching depth. They've got talent up and down the line. Now, to get to your question and not dodge the question, if – I'll say if this team doesn't get there, I, I think still it will be the hitting that falters. 
I, I just don't see the pitching going anywhere, right? Like, I, I think the pitching depth is here to stay. Even if you lose Noah Hall, you've got Eli Jones, you've got Eli Jerzenbeck, you've got James Hicks, you've got Matthew Becker, like all these dudes that can start for you. Guys, the Gamecocks are where they are right now, and like Will Sanders hasn't even thrown that well. Their ace hasn't been all that good this year. So if he gets going, watch out, right? So I think if anything does falter, I, I just think, you know, it's much easier to go cold swinging a stick than it is on the bump because at the end of the day on the bump, 95-95, good shit will play no matter what. Like, it's more so hitting that comes and goes, I think, than the pitching. So I, I think that would be the thing that would sort of evade South Carolina. But I, I think at minimum, guys, right now, I'd be willing to say this is a super regional team. And, you know, from there, guys, I mean, it's a crapshoot, man. It's it's so hard to get to Omaha. Who, who do you get paired up with? I mean, there's, there's you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. But, uh, you know, I, I'll say, if anything, it's the hitting that will falter. But I like this team's chances, man. They've been proving me wrong at every turn, so why not? Chris, great stuff so far. This has been awesome. Really looking forward to this series. I got a couple more for you. And I like yeah. to add, we like to ask this for football before football games, right? The X yeah. factor, right? We oh, like yeah. to say uh, this guy is going to be the X factor or how they pitch or if they have timely hitting. What's yeah. the X factor, right? If South Carolina wins this series if blank or Vandy wins this series if blank. Do you look at something in this series and say, man, if this happens, Gamecocks will win? Or if this happens, they might be in trouble? Yeah, I would say for this series, um, I'll do offensively and defensively. So swinging the bat and on the bump. I'll say swinging the bat. South Carolina will have success if they continue to show patience at the plate. And maybe not so much live and die with a home run, but be productive, right? I mean, Vanderbilt's got elite arms, man, left and right. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to just tee off on them the way you have everybody else this season, although I say that. And I feel like every time I do say that, you know, I went in the game last week. Uh, against Paul Skeens, man, it's it's. I was hyping him up, right, talking about he's all world everything, and I mean, my God, Carolina just turned around around a hundred like it was batting practice. So, but I think that that focus on, you know, productivity, right? I, I think there's going to be a lot of low scoring games, close ball games, and you know, the team that's able to get that runner in from third, less than two outs, get that runner over to third, less than two outs, right, hit the ball to the right side, just do those little things. That's the team that's going to come out victorious. So I think if this team offensively productive at bats, and then on the bump, man, I think it comes down to the bullpen. I mean, you saw last weekend against LSU, Kate Austin gives up the grand slam. Carolina should have won that series or could have won that series 2-0. And, you know, unfortunately, Gavin Dugas hits a big home run. I think the starting pitching will be there. It's just all about your guys in the bullpen being consistent. We all know they have the talent. They all throw hard. They've all got good stuff. Uh, but there can't be a lapse in concentration or a lapse in judgment, if you will. Also, keeping Enrique Bradfield – off of the base pass because South Carolina has not been able to really throw out anybody stealing. And so if he gets on, it might be an automatic triple, like literally. So that man alone could kill you. So again, offensively, I think a focus, focus on productivity, timely hitting, like I mentioned, I know it's so cliche, but I just always come back to that. And then on the bump, I think the focus for me is just on the bullpen. I think you're starting rotation, rotation even without Noah Hall is going to be really good and give you a chance. But late innings, Andy's the home team at Hawkins Field. You know, it's a it's a never-say-die club with Tim Corbin. Uh, you know, you're going to have to put it into another gear this weekend if you want to take two of three and 
you know, Vandy, just because you're up three, four runs, they're not going to quit in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. So they've got to be even better than normal, I think, this weekend. Chris, this should be a sellout, of course, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. How many Gamecock fans are you expecting? I know there's not a big allotment, right? It, there's only, it seats nearly 4,000. So are That's you expecting right. many Gamecocks, like maybe a football trip in Nashville this weekend? <laughs> well, you know, Gamecocks always travel. I, I think the, the really interesting kicker is that South Carolina spring game is on Saturday, oh. right? I, I, I was even considering making the trip to Nashville with the spring game and We've got stuff going on with content for that. Of course, I'll be locked into all three baseball games. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some garnet and black there. But, you know, no matter what, guys, it'll be a great environment for SEC baseball. And, you know, I, I can't wait for it. I mean, again, this is how South Carolina Vanderbilt's supposed to be. Two great programs, two of the most, um, you know, proud programs with history and tradition in the SEC. And to see four versus six and – uh, to see these two great teams go at it, man, it's a lot of fun. It reminds me, again, of those Ray Tanner days and, you know, what Tim Corbin's built. I mean, I think Gamecock fans have got nothing but respect for him. And, you know, you know anytime you take on his ball clubs, they are going to test you fundamentally, and it's going to be a fight for all 27 innings. So I'm looking forward to a great three-game series. Yet all three games are on SEC Network Plus. Where, where's ESPN2? Where's ESPNU? I mean, this is a top 10 matchup, Chris. Come on. College baseball is still criminally under-televised, my friend, and undercovered. And Ridiculous. Everything. So, there hey, it's is, up to yeah. people. It's up to people like you guys and myself to carry the torch for college baseball. I say we give them one hell of a show this weekend. Oh, we, we, we will. And we just did with you. So thank you so much for coming on again, Chris Phillips from the Spurs up show, best Gamecock coverage on the internet. Got a podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Go look them up on Twitter. Of course, we'll tag you. We'll, we'll get this out. Chris, enjoy it this weekend. Enjoy the spring game. Thanks for taking the time, brother. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Best of luck this weekend.